Welcome to the Creating Your Own Path podcast. I'm your host, Jen Snyder, and today we're recording from Think House Collective, which is a collaborative shared workspace for Sacramento's creative class. As always, you can listen to the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You can also catch two new episodes each month at creatingyourownpath.com. So I'm super excited for today's show because we have two very cool dudes in the hot seat, and quite frankly, they have the best business name ever. Uh, Suds by Studs is a line of artisan skincare products created by Preston Tillotson and Tyler Robinson. Um, They're fairly new to the soap making and uh, personal care product industry, but they've already made a huge splash and they've just announced announced excuse me their acquisition of a second business called Gratitude Soapery. And so I have a ton of questions about how all of that's going to work out. So let's just get right to it and say welcome to the show. Thank you for having Thank us. You for yeah, having I'm us. very excited. So I know that you've both had interesting twists and turns in your respective career path. So can you guys kind of tell us about your backgrounds and how you ended up where you are today? Whoever wants to start. So for me, my whole life has kind of been centered around the idea of me being a musician. In high school, I was always in music and I even went to college at Sac State and I started my major in vocal jazz, which only lasted for a year. Um, (laughs) I ended up leaving Sac State and it turned out to be a good thing because that major was no longer funded a year later. So I wouldn't have been able to finish my my degree anyway. Um, So good thing on that. I ended up going to community college for a few years after that, and then I decided to do some professional level theater. And then that's actually what kind of got me into performing as a profession. And then that kind of led me to auditioning for The Voice. Right. And And this is Tyler speaking, by the way, you guys. And he was on The Voice, so which is awesome, and I really want to hear about that experience. Um. I auditioned for the first season because a friend of mine told me she auditioned in Chicago when she was visiting. She's like, you'll be really good for it. Go try. So I went and it was really low pressure. Everything was kind of easy and I ended up getting on the show and it was really fun. I got onto Blake Shelton's team. I got through levels of auditions Mm -hmm. and then I ended up getting kicked off the show in a really great way because everyone thought that it was wrong. Um, everyone thought I should have won my battle, and that's a nice way to leave the show, you know? Um, but And I remember, I've been watching since the first season. <laughs> it's like my guilty pleasure. <laughs> that show is, and I love that show so much. And my husband's like, okay, well, I'm going to go read a book. And I'm thinking, well, that's your choice. <laughs> so, so I do love the show, and I remember, you know, I, I kind of, once I, I, I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember him on the show. So, so it, it must have been really exciting it was really interesting because they had they're still in the infancy of like starting the show, so they had to really stick to a very specific timeline, and so it was really interesting to see how they kind of guinea pigged us through the the system. Because after I left the season two and till now, everything has changed yeah. structurally. So, um, you know, from there it kind of brought me back. I moved to LA for about nine months, and it was not my gig. So I ended up moving on back up here, and ever since then, I've been a lot happier and just pursuing different types of careers. I still sing as much as I can, but soap making is definitely my newest passion. Right, and I hail from more of an academic background rather than uh, being classically trained as a musician. <laughs> I, um, I went to, funnily enough, I didn't go to high school, but I started attending college at 16, and I was taking some junior college classes in Colorado, and then my family relocated here, initially from Louisiana, so I've hopped three states uh, for my life, and um, 
when I arrived here, the college systems here are funded in such a way that you can really get access into college and you can get some funding in your first couple of years. So I used that as a time to really discover who I was, both academically and personally. And I had a chemistry background initially, which plays into kind of how we make soap now. But in my last semester, I took a philosophy of religions course, and it dramatically altered my life in the most positive way. And so I switched to philosophy of natural sciences and got my um, bachelor's degree, which I graduated in 2012 from Sac State uh, with honors. I was, I think, the third person in their their four-decade history to get their honors thesis done. So, yeah, I really worked really hard, and um, we helped establish a social media position with the club there, and that's what kind of catapulted them into success as one of the smaller departments. So they're still getting funding. They're doing very well. They pay, one of their teachers gets paid one of the highest in cross-departmentally, and it's just interesting to see what has gone on since I've left, and uh, we do donate to them, but fast forward, I wanted to be an academician. I wanted to be a teacher, and I applied to several grad programs, but I was unilaterally rejected from all of them without funding, and I didn't want to accumulate more debt for a philosophy degree. No offense to the discipline, but uh, grim prospects after graduating if you have a lot of debt. So we, um, we ended up starting this company shortly after you know we um we really didn't think that whenever we got together as partner partners that we'd be business partners shortly thereafter yeah that's that has to be a whole other ball of wax like that working together living together you know that's just there's no separation and we'll talk about that later so but i am true partners in crime yeah (laughs) all the way so i definitely think we we should talk about that um but can you kind of talk us through your decision to start Suds by Suds? I just love saying that name. It's so cute. Thank you. Um, but what, what kind of led you to, to that hobby turned business? How did that work? Right. So whenever I was graduating um, at the end of 2012, we, had, um, we took a soap making class on Tyler's recommendation. He's like, hey, we need a hobby. Let's go do something. You know, you're, you're going to be graduating soon. And uh, so we went and took the soap making class. And it was a lot of fun, obviously. And um, my, at the time, my job relocated. So I was not only graduating, but I was also losing what I thought was going to be my full-time employment, and it was going to be gainful employment nonetheless. Um, and so I let Tyler take over. He made um, a very awesome decision that led to our company starting. Okay. So after we took that soap making class, I was just like enamored with the fact of soap making. It's just so fun. The process is amazing. All the variables that go into it are amazing. And YouTube is such an amazing thing. You, there's so much education. You can learn how to do it yourself. But I really wanted to get my hands on and have a, someone teach us through it. So we went and did that class. And then I actually made a personal investment of like $250 on raw materials. Not that huge, but it was enough to get, get me started as a hobbyist. Um, and so I made my first batch of soap one day when he was at work, and I just had a blast. And then after that, I was like, we need to get colorants. We need to do everything because I need color for this soap. Like, well, and on my end, I, I see this package arrive and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is real. He's, <laughs> he's turning this into a hobby. Um, but it's two months after he made that order and we actually got immersed into soap crafting. I was like, I'm going to turn this into a business. And one day I got up and I'm like, suds by studs. That's our name. And I went and I uh, took it down to the business bank and cashed it out. Wow. Of genius over here. It's a great name. Thank great you. name. Um, and the URL was available. That's mm-hmm. huge. Everything, you know. The trademark <laughs> was available. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to fast forward just a little bit because you recently acquired a new business. And I am dying to know how that's all going to work out. So um, like I mentioned, the new 
it's a second business and it's called Gratitude Soapery. And um, you kind of came about it in an unconventional way. And I just tell us how that happened. You know, um, so this is, a, it's, it's steeped in rich history, so I'll keep it very brief if I can. Okay. It was started by what we would consider one of the master soap makers in the community at large. Her name's Kenna, and she's now at Modern Soap Making. Um, she's now our mentor, but um, we have a lot of respect for her. She was very pioneering and campaigning. She started an Indiegogo account and raised, I think, over $5,000 in less than 30 days. Oh. And she invested a year's worth of time, all of that money, as well as her own personal money. And she's, for the year she had it, only gave all the proceeds away. I mean, it wasn't um, a capitalist venture for her. It was just very much soap for the people, soap for society. Um, But she also, in relation to that, was growing as a soap mentor and a consultant for the industry. And her passion for helping others had kind of exceeded her ability to handle both of her projects. And so she said, you know what, I'm going to establish modern soap making. But because this was crowdfunded and it's based on, you know, giving and gratitude and kindness and a love for soap making, I'm going to have a giveaway. She posted this giveaway and we weren't really, you know, we weren't hot on the tails for it because we were still developing suds. Mm -hmm. And we were really trying to, we were going through a growth phase. And this is over just the past month and a half. And one day I was like, if somebody's going to be charitable, if somebody's going to own a new company, why not us? So the only criterion for entry was that you wrote an essay and answered like five questions. Wow. So I sat down 16 drafts later. I was working with a grammarian friend that I um, had an internship with in college and she worked tireless with me. And um, I submitted it and we waited what felt like two years to get these results. And uh, one day we got a, a Skype message from the, the old owner, Kenna, and she was like, I have one question for you. And then we were like, oh no, what's, do we have to defend this? Is this Shark Tank now? <laughs> yeah. like, and she's like, are you ready to be the new owners? And we just busted into like joyous tears. Aww. And it was one of the most gratifying moments I think we've ever had as business owners. That's amazing. So she had a giveaway. And kind of, can you kind of go into what yeah. that entailed? Yeah, so the giveaway okay. was... Um, five questions and then an essay. The five questions were like, where's your inspiration come from? Uh, What advice would you give to yourself 10 years ago? What would you tell new business owners? You know, just kind of to scale the the kind of business profile you have. Right. Uh, And And to give her an idea of what you guys, where you guys come from, what you know. Right. And And where we would take the company as well. Okay. Because it was up to us to not only keep the the foreground of what she'd created, but then also build upon it if we wanted to. Okay. Whether or not we wanted to change the name, keep the name, change the products, which everything is basically going to be very similar to the way she set it up because it's okay. it's beautifully done. It's so it's very gorgeous. clean. It's very accessible. It's it's everything. It's everything you could want <laughs> as a soap maker. No lie. It's just yeah. a business that was handed kind of handed right. over with an amazing it. recipe. Oh, Her we got the keys to the is beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. In the last uh, part of the essay, we had to literally delineate or describe exactly what we were going to do with the program. Okay. And um, there were four industry experts. We're talking the largest soap supplier in the world, definitely in our country. Wow. Um, but um, also two of the biggest consultants, a somebody who runs the about.com for our community, like soap and candle making, wow. as well as um, a lawyer who does professional liability insurance. Mm-hmm. So she got down from like 80 people who had applied some of them veteran soap makers of 20 years you know mind you we've been only doing it for a year and a half at this point right and um so she put it down to five contestants finalists and she sent them off to the four panel of judges and we were chosen by all of them. oh my gosh gives me goosebumps um it was it was such an exciting day for us i am sure i'm sure so what will that 
look like for you guys? So, you know, I want to know what it'll mean for the future of Suds, how you guys will run the two businesses. Will they be separate? Will you run them together? How does that work? So the plan right now is to keep them separate. Um, What that gives us the opportunity to do is really run with gratitude as a wholesale business. It's set up that way um, because everything is really streamlined. All of the bars are single colors, so they're really easy to mass produce. Um, And so that gives us the opportunity to really get wholesale accounts going. And not only that, it's a really, like I said, an accessible brand. It has a wide target market, and it's also a charity-driven business. And not only is it charity-driven locally, but it's charity-driven nationally as well. Globally. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's that's really great. We're trying to cover all ends of the spectrum so that people are like, why are you only donating locally? Or why are you only donating here? And that was um, an extension of SUDS because SUDS by SUDS had been doing as much charitable effort as we could over just the past year and a half. And Gratitude kind of takes that off of SUDS and, and makes it the forefront of that business. And instead of subsuming it under SUDS by SUDS, which is one of the options, she said you could just you know absorb it into your other company. We were like, no, we actually want to keep it separate and distinct. And okay. um, I'll let Tyler describe why we're going to keep SUDS separate. Okay. Well, the idea behind SUDS by SUDS is when we started the company, it was a creative venture. Um, and creativity is what sparks a lot of the soap making, a lot of the product development, all that stuff. And so with Suds by Studs, the idea of it is a lot more quirky. It's a lot more fun, and it's more of a niche market. And it's and that just gives, it gives us the opportunity to be super artistic, really play around with different stuff when it comes to like soap pouring techniques or the types of molds that we use or the types of products that we make. It really gives us the opportunity to go anywhere we want. And as a creative person, that's going to be amazing for me because I'll be able to have my, you know, my bread and butter, quote unquote, mm-hmm. with studs by st- or with gratitude, and then my creative outlet with studs by studs, but also creating amazing, high quality products that people will enjoy. I see. And okay. A really good distinction to make between the two is um, gratitude soapery makes currently one type of soap and that's cold process soap okay it is the one where you literally have to take your raw ingredients a lye solution mix it together let it neutralize over the course of three to eight weeks um yes it's but unlike i have food, no idea how to make soap you guys by the oh, way it is crazy okay. fun um but it's uh you know it requires a good ke- extensive chemistry knowledge so that you have a, a background in dealing with hazardous materials and that you know your workstation's Flawless because you don't want any room for error in cold process soap making. Whereas suds, uh, at suds by suds, we use melt and pour soaps, which that's we um, we call our soaps by their process, not by their ingredients. Most people would call it glycerin soap, oh, um, but okay. it's just soap that is uh, got a, a melting point in which it can be remelted and repoured. Oh, cold process is like the luxury line, you know, it is what every soap maker aspires to make the best. Whereas melt and pour is a little more free flowing, it's fun, it's decorative, you can do quite a lot with it, whereas cold process is time sensitive, it requires a curing process, and uh, we have to pH test all of those to ensure wow. quality. Okay. Melt and pour is usually about a one hour to three hour turnaround. So, uh, so imagine that. It's like one okay. to three hours with really good quality soap, or, you know, four weeks right. with amazing luxurious soap. Okay. It's different levels. And once you <laughs> use cold process, you become kind of a soap snob, if you will. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm only using this for the rest of my life. Okay, <laughs> well, that's good to know. But the melt and pour is um, much more versatile and I think much more approachable. A lot of people don't want to spend, you know, anywhere from 8 to $12 a bar of soap. Right. And that's understandable, and that's where melt and pour definitely comes in. I see. Melt and pour okay. also, um, you don't have to use as much fragrance or essential oil to make it smell. 
with cold process since it's all um, it's all still kind of in this weird chemically caustic state when you're mm -hmm. adding your fragrance so it has the ability to degrade a little quicker mm. um, okay. so you have to use larger amounts in cold process oh. that's another reason melt and pour is kind of a fun way to do it and we're still learning I mean with respect to soap making we're still in our infancy but thankfully not only do we have a really good mentor we have uh, you know that chemistry background that we can yes. really refer to and it's Super a necessity helpful. I kind of want to go back to, you, you mentioned the charitable side of things. And so I kind of want to talk about that a little bit um, because I know that you've been really active locally. And um, can you kind of tell us what your charitable mission will be with Gratitude Soapery a little bit and then um, why it's important to kind of keep those community ties both nationally and locally? Right. Thank you for the question. I think this is a really important one and it's foundational to the company. And... Um... I'll tell you a little bit about who we want to work with in the community first. Um, we have to get approval, obviously, because these are organizations and some of them have, you know, six-month processes by which you have to jump these hurdles to get in. Um, but if we can jump them appropriately, Loaves and Fishes is going to be one of the first starts. We know that there's a lot of homeless mothers and children on the streets today in our city. And for every bar that we sell, we are literally going to bicycle over another one for everyone purchased to bring to their families, you know, over at Loaves and Fishes. Another one is is that you know the sex and um, labor trafficking here is you know second or third highest in the country, yeah. and so we want to work with my sister's home, which deals with Pacific Islanders who've uh, survived you know such circumstances, and you know hygiene's very important and it's comforting and it's very. I mean, they're going to be bathing with better soap than most people get to bathe with, and we're really excited about yeah. getting that uh, to those communities in particular. We're also looking at CASH, which is another organization very similar to My Sister's Home okay. out in Oak Park, which is in our backyard, basically, yeah. um, where we manufacture. And then some of the more um, global ones would be Clean the World. They take soap scraps, reform, you know, reform them into um, little bars and send them all over the world so oh, that cool. people who are uh, in poverty or in you know, third world countries who don't have really good sanitation... Mm -hmm. Um, can finally have clean water and soap. So a lot of the clean water companies are pairing up with these soap companies, mm -hmm. and not only do they get drinking water, but they get clean, you know, water to wash in. And that's just as important as having clean water to drink. Right. Believe me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you said you're still working to kind of build those partnerships. What will that process be like? Um, for some of them, because it is a product-driven industry, like some of them need the resources today. They need them yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to they're gonna drop the walls of, you know, bureaucracy that would uh, impede on our ability to get soap to the community. Mm -hmm. um, others, like one that we want to work with, the Trevor Project, which deals with LGBT suicide prevention, mm -hmm. they have a strenuous process by which you... Uh, have to apply and I so see. we're going to be doing all of those applications now um you know we're we're doing a lot of research on the charities to see where their money goes before we start to invest in them that's super you. important for us so um since the company was kind of we found out last week maybe within the past two weeks that we were getting the company um the process has been establishing who we can work with today I and now you. and then who we can start building up in the future so that you know we can really spread this Around And there's going to be three bars of soap that we have that 100% of the proceeds are going to go to organizations. Okay, so, cool. So, you know, there's going to be the one bar per one bar. In wholesale, it's going to be one bar for every 10 bar because, you know, they're buying in such large quantity. Mm -hmm. um, and then there is the, we're actually giving all, all profits. You know, it's only cost and labor. 
and the rest is going to go to you know one of three charities. So your choice of a bar purchased will dictate where we spend the money. Oh, cool! And it, that's with Suds, or is that with Gratitude? This is all Gratitude. gratitude. So okay, gotcha. Suds by Suds. The only charitable mission that we have is with uh, Compliment Shop. Compliment is an amazing jewelry designer here in the area, and she's actually been on your podcast mm-hmm. for those who are listening. Yes, Melissa is a, a good friend of mine. Oh, so. she's an amazing person, <laughs> and if you haven't had her jewelry, yet, you deserve it. Um, we started Suds for Scholars with her recently, where we're donating ten percent of a line that we co-branded. Uh, to her charity fund, helping people that in the area that are underprivileged first-gen college students get money for their education. And which is a hu- it's such a good cause. I'll link to it in the show notes. So. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you guys are busy. <laughs> um, just the thought of doing like doing all that research and going through all the application process that's, that's insane and that's so, just a quarter of it yeah oh, I have no doubt plus you have to make soap like yes. yeah, you know somebody's got to be keeping that going so um, but I want to talk about kind of the creative side you, you touched on it just a little bit so um, you've got some really really fun names for your products which I think would be really fun to come up with uh, and then the combinations you create are not you know, what you usually see. You you guys come up with some crazy combinations and they work out, but you know, which is amazing. So um, if you can kind of talk about where that inspiration comes from, you know, so, how, where that creativity comes um, into play. Creativity for me stems from a lot of different places. The soap itself actually gives me a lot of creative vision because randomly, especially with melt and pour soap, I'll pour it into something and then, you know, I see it drying and I kind of just rip it in half and I'm like, hey, that's a cool texture. That works. Or on the smaller side of things with cold process soap, I accidentally pour something a certain way and then it happens. Sometimes it's luck, other times it's very planned. When it comes down to it though, I usually start with my, my process with finding a fragrance. Okay. When I'm building a fragrance, I think of it um, and I, I go back to like my roots and I think of it in a musical sense, okay. believe it or not. Because when you're writing music or when you're singing, um, I always think of it as like a chord structure. So, like, in a chord structure, there's one, two, like, five notes. Mm -hmm. And so I think of the smells as notes. And I always start from the bottom, so I'm thinking of, like, the bass notes, like something that's really going to round out and hold all of the smell. Then something in the middle that's going to, like, push everything through, really get people to love the fragrance. And then the top note is really where where it starts off. So when I'm building a fragrance, say, lavender and citruses, so I'll be like, so lavender is going to be my base because it's a little earthier. And then I'll play with my citruses in the middle and on the top. So my citrus, like my super bright citrus, I'll put right on top. And then my earthier citruses I'll put in the middle. And that really gives us the opportunity to have a well-rounded fragrance. Interesting. And so it's it, it sounds a lot more intense than it is. It's, no, it's a lot of like smelling bottles next to one another and just like, this might work. And then it's the person walking into the room saying, hey, try this. Right. And it's like, I never thought of that. So I go over and I smell it. And I'm like, you know, you just had a stroke of genius. Thank you. Um, and so then I, from once I get my fragrance, I typically move into like my color inspiration. Okay. And my color inspiration stems a lot from the actual nature around us. Like, so for instance, again, if I'm using lavender and citrus, why would I not go with, you know, a light lavender color and maybe an orange? And if orange isn't really my thing, maybe it's a lemon. So it could be orange and yellow, which is a really nice... They're actually on the color wheel. That's exactly what you would think. Mm -hmm. And so nature gives you a lot to work with. And on top of that, one thing that I always fall into, especially when I'm not using essential oils and I have more of my fragrance fun time, 
Um, we like to get into like food and dessert types of smells, yes, which is just too much fun <laughs> and also quite dangerous because everyone wants to eat them. Right. It's like you walk up to the table and you're like, oh, this smells like yellow cake. I'll eat it. We've actually Please had don't. people eat them. <laughs> oh, no. Like, on our table. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, um, inspiration, like I said, everywhere. Okay. And constantly people will say something or mention something or just give me an idea and I'll go with it and I'll take it. And it's just like what I can create from people's words sometimes surprises me. Okay. And yeah, that's that. more of the his 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 inspiration is much more mass than mine. I more I more draw it in like the community. So with respect to ingredients, when we're at farmers markets, we see all of these artisans mm-hmm. who are creating their you know either their product or their service, and uh, we use local honey. So whenever we see a beekeeper, we get inspiration from the hive, from the raw honey, how it's processed, all of that. Okay. Uh, when we meet a goat farmer or somebody who's got some kind of milk that we can add to the soap which adds an amazing creamy texture to it we want to know how how do you get the milk how do we get it into our soap you know is this good for our consumers lavender there's a lot of lavender farms in the area so Mm -hmm. we really like to draw inspiration uh, from the farms themselves what are the colors how does it feel whenever you're out in the field does it smell good you know so we try to make as many tours as we can Uh, ingredient shopping is inspiration alone yeah. yeah, for sure. Field trips. <laughs> field yeah. And another one is our city. We have an amazing city. Mm-hmm. So we have a soap that tries to capture our skyline in it because we love okay. getting on top of tall buildings if we can legally and you know, viewing the city. <laughs> Thank you for putting that. In. Well, yeah, we're, we're not in, interested in losing our businesses from something silly like that. <laughs> and, um, you know, being on the bike trail, the, the American River, just any kind mm-hmm. of water is a very big source of inspiration. The ocean, I'm not from California, so every time I have a moment to go, there i just love to see the riptide and we have a soap that looks like there's you know little waves kind of uh running through it we get inspiration from like rainbows even we have a rainbow soap so if it can be found in nature we try to um, you know encapsulate that into the product itself if not by ingredient uh, by visual um, application i love that i'm a big nature fan so that makes me happy um so um i'm always curious you know whether people are freelancing or creating cards or soap I'm always curious how how does public perception play into all of it so are you guys ever surprised at what does well and what doesn't always always okay yeah it's always a surprise can you tell us like any examples of things that whenever you're in uh, the business of manufacturing goods rather than selling a service, it really comes down to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, a soap that we think that we would love and would use all the time might not be as well received mm-hmm. versus whereas a soap that um, maybe we didn't like is one of our best sellers. It's really um, with respect to taste, it's all relative. So it's um, you don't get the manual up front on how to create the product that's going to be seamlessly accepted by the customer. Right. So it's a lot of research and development, which is the most fun part of having a business that's con- uh, concerned with making products and manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So we get to test a lot of cool things, and I think it's a lot to do with season as well. Uh-huh. You'll notice that people's tastes are very seasonal. Mm-hmm. Right now, everybody has pumpkin on their mind, so of course pumpkin's going to be in the lineup. Um, But also then we have fall colors being introduced. So we're changing uh, the look of the soap with respect to the season that it's going to be bought in. And because soap, like we said, uh, can take anywhere from three to eight weeks, we have to start manufacturing our our Christmas suds 
way well before. Like we're talking about Christmas in July, literally for us. Wow. So um, you know, again, this is stuff I had no idea. Yeah, so I we had no idea what the process was like. Predictive. So it's on top of that. It's you just need a couple of years in it, and we only had one retail year last year in production. Uh, so we are taking a lot of what we learned last year and applying it to this year, namely making the soap four to five months in advance right. than we would normally have made it. And also just getting to be with the customers at markets. That's where we really get to put uh, the rubber to the road and see, you know, what's going to be a hot commodity. And quite frankly, we have um, a large product line that is going to be boosted for the holidays because, you know, you want a large, rich uh, product line. And then after that, we attenuate. We take it down and um, we make a brief statement. So during the holidays, it gets a little ramped up. But then afterwards, you know, we consolidate and we like to keep at least 10 products, you know, that's kind of like the baseline, 10 to 15. Yeah. And and that'll be that. And so it's not too much, not too little, and everybody can find a little something. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm always fascinated by that. And so you said that you've been to a lot of markets. Um, what are some of the local markets that you've been to? I know good. So um, we, we've done good a few times, um, but lately we've been trying to do more farmer's markets oh, just because we, um, it's a little difficult to do farmer's markets for soapers just because here in California we have a lot of certified mm-hmm. California farmer's markets yep. which only accept food items. Yes. And so it's kind of a struggle for us to get our foot in the door sometimes because some of them accept kitchen items and soap can be a kitchen item so it's just like you know we're working with semantics (laughs) Mm -hmm. here um but east sac farmer's market was one that we started at and it's it's a really cute market and a really great location the customers were amazing we had some really loyal customers and the last few weeks we've been over at oak park and the vibe over there is so great all of the vendors are super nice Joni runs the the market and she's like such a sweetheart she just, it feels like a little family over there. And she That's even nice. expressed that. She's like, this is our little Oak Park Farmer's Market family. So I'm glad that you guys are here. And it's in our backyard, relatively speaking. We make right. our products and it's less than a quarter mile away. That's incredible. So we really, we are getting to meet people who are literally our neighbors. Yeah, that's amazing. And even when we changed over to Oak Park, I've had, well, just this past week, I had two customers who were like, I couldn't, I didn't see you at East Sac anymore. And I found you. I'm so glad I found you oh, guys wow. over here. Yeah. That so, must have felt really good. And yeah. just a little backstory. We haven't been doing farmer's market for all that long. It's literally been maybe two or three months. Okay. Last year was really research and development and instantiating the brand as well as figuring out production. This year was taking all of that to the marketplace. And I gotcha. so, you know, this is all just a rough and tumble when we're ready to go. So we're, we're, this is all real relatively new to us. And this is feedback we're receiving. Uh, we have people coming back looking for certain lotions and people even asking for customs now because they're, you know, oh, they're, really? and that's something we're really good at. And really for us has been weddings too. Like we really oh. find a lot that somebody's very special day and we get the ability to infuse our love for our product with their love for their partner. And uh, oh. that's something that we have a lot of gratitude for as well. How interesting. That's, that's That seems like it would be really fun to be able to do a custom order for somebody. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. um, we're going to start making soapy wedding cakes. We're waiting for the person, somebody to request that. So if you're listening and you're having a wedding... What would that look like? What's a soap An wedding? actual soap cake. Yeah. It would look like a cake done in a bun pan or in a regular uh, cake pan. Oh and my we gosh. would do a piping on frosting on it, but it would be soap. So, um, I mean, back to like the soap process really quick. Yeah. When we do cold process soap, it's at about 100 degrees when we're, when we're mixing it together. Okay. So what you can actually do is if you let your soap sit a little bit and bring it down a little bit lower to room temperature, then you can actually whip it up like uh, frosting. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and so what we could do is we could put it in either a piping bag or a block bag and just kind of pipe it like frosting. 
It's not something that I've delved into yet. Yeah. It's only something I've read about. I need yeah, to the tools that. to do it. We're just waiting yeah. for the opportunity. Okay. <laughs> so if you guys are listening and need a soapy wedding king, there please. you go. <laughs> These guys can help you out. We so, got you covered. <laughs> um, I want to kind of dive into what it's like to be business owners. You've been running this business successfully, and like you said, it's kind of like a learn-as-you-go sort of thing. You're, you're now taking lessons that you learned last year and applying them this year, and now you've got a second business to run. And so, and you guys are partners, partners in real life. Yes. So how do you guys manage all of that? And how do you ever find yourself kind of wishing you could separate the two at all, meaning life versus work versus play versus... I mean, how does that work for you? Yeah, so this is... Um... This is quite the dynamic question, and I'll start with coffee is everything. Okay. I mean, okay. nothing gets done in the soapery until we've had our coffee, that's for sure. But beyond that, it's just really good maintenance and systems in place. Like, okay. you've, uh, you've really got to have good time management. You've got to know your goals to manage them, and you have to have a lot of motivation to get out and do them. A lot of people have big dreams, but they don't, uh, you know, they don't get into action, or they don't strategize and then get into action. So that can also be kind of um, a part where you really need to focus. If you're curious as to, hey, how do I accomplish all this? You have to have to-do lists, and they need to be very detailed. You need to you need to start with the end in mind, and then plan for your end, and then just start. Just don't even wait to start. You don't need any more tools. You've got your to-do list. You're good to go. Okay. That's kind of like the, the tautology or the truism of being in business is, where are you going? Write it down. Go get it. And then I would have to say, on top of that, would be that most people our age, you know, mid-20s, they're out partying. We don't, I don't drink, he doesn't drink, well, you know, maybe here and there, but we don't go out, and we haven't gone out since we started our company. You know, we know that this is sweat equity, and that requires anywhere from four hours a day on our slowest day, which that was a year ago, (laughs) um, to 12-hour days where we're literally waking up and eating, sleeping soap, and then even waking up in the middle of the night like, oh my God, did I make that soap? Did I do this? (laughs) Like, yeah, you're even working in your sleep sometimes. So, um, you know, it's it's being dedicated, knowing that there are going to be short-term sacrifices of, you know, maybe some of your enrichment or, you know, other kind of... um, activities that you would rather be doing but if you can put those on the back burner for your dream today you'll have only those later in your life and that's kind of how we see it and at first we were like when are we going to get a moment for ourselves you know especially with a new company coming into the picture it was it was a concern but a very fleeting one at that because we realized that whenever you're chasing your dreams it's it's giving you everything you wanted in you know maybe your party phase or your um, leisure phase or you know whatever it may be. To us, we're living our dream, and most people want to work for themselves. We definitely do, and so that in and of itself is reward enough to you know keep making the to do lists, keep going out and getting it, and you know networking is another big part of that. Sacramento has, um, and you've mentioned this, has quite a receptive community for makers and artisans, and we're really feeling the love. And we have nothing but the utmost respect for our community um, for that and for seeing, you know, the vision that young creative entrepreneurs have and helping them really meet that. And it takes a lot of grit, and it's rough. You know, it's rough to uh, not only have a business, but to be partner partners. It's actually one of the things that crumbles a lot of businesses. So we're very mindful of that fact, and we are, you know, we're constantly Renavigating how we're going to accomplish things both as partners and business owners and then trying to get that little bit of moment at the end of the day we, we turn off our phones an hour before bed and we'll go take a walk or we're going to do something that's very separate from business given that it's you know in the garage in our backyard right <laughs> yeah that would that I would assume that that would be even you know because at least I you know I come to think house 
and work. I have a, a home office as well, um, but I can shut the door. And so, yeah. do you guys find yourselves kind of putting up those physical barriers between you and the work? Absolutely. Okay. Um, there are big times where we're both working on the computer, and then even even in that sense, we're in the same room, but we're definitely working on separate projects, and we'll check in with one another every once in a while. But what what usually happens is I'm out in the garage working on production working on packaging, working on research and development, getting new products going. And then he'll be inside, you know, working on the website, um, you know, keeping up with emails, acquisitioning clients, stuff like that. Okay. And so, um, but moving forward with gratitude, there's going to be like triple, quadruple the the amount of work um, because we're really getting to the point where we're taking a home business and we're legitimizing it to the point where all of our P's and Q's are going to be covered. So once we get to the mass market, it's not going to be an issue. We're going to have all of our systems in place. We're going to have all of the things that we needed to do, like, you know, a couple months ago, completely done. And it's going to be amazing because there's just a lot more to cosmetics than you really imagine. There's... Yes. And with any other business owner, there's always a lot behind the veil that's uh, that's kind of required of you and you don't um, recognize those obligations until you're in the midst of it and you know you don't have systems before you have production and you don't have you know production before you have systems it's right. like the chicken or the egg and quite frankly you need them both so right. um, the best thing you can do as a maker is to see um, and I think this is you know something we might touch on but you've really just got to know what the regulations are for your industry and what's important for your industry because mm-hmm. just because it's not legislated doesn't mean it's a necessity right see that's the thing that's the gray area with uh, soap and cosmetics is yeah let's talk about that a little it's bit it's not like regulated like where food is mm-hmm. food you have the health code you have all that other stuff mm-hmm. and that's highly regulated Absolutely. because even as a small business owner selling food you have to go and file all that paperwork with soap and cosmetics Basically, anyone can do that. They can file a homeowner's permit, and they can get a seller's permit, and they're good to go. Right. Um, and no one's really making sure that their soap is pH tested. No one's really making sure that everything is good to go. Well, and a lot of it isn't intentional. It's born it's, out of just um, an ignorance and not like an evil ignorance. Just like, oh, you don't know until you know. It's like whenever you right. drive into another state and you get pulled over, and you're like, what did I do? I don't know. Right. Right. The same well, happens with owning a business. Sometimes you just don't have all of that at the forefront. So one thing that you know you should do very early on is to look at those. You know, like for us, we have FDA guidelines that we need to follow. We have good manufacturing uh, procedures that we okay. need to follow. You need to keep up with your inventory, what product it's in, and you know where that product went. And right. so if you have this really um, good summary of everything that's going on in your product, in your soapery, or you know if you're just making lotions in your your kitchen even. So in your kitchen, what's going on in the kitchen? Did you have animals in the house? That's one thing you've got to think about because. Right. Um, every little detail can be called into question and nobody thinks about that until it gets called into question. Right. Tiny things like are there flat surfaces dust can build up on? Are there like products that are used in your product that are stored on the floor? there's anything like raw material stored on the floor it's not okay also timelines for your goods you know you need to know like with food you know that things are expiring quickly but with with skincare you know some of the the raw materials last way longer than a food item would so you've really got to be able to keep your manufacturing on point and by on point i mean you need to know every little detail of every little thing right so for us it's we have to know like a chemistry lab exactly (laughs) so i was about to say we have to know our um we have to have our msds or basically our chemical constituents everything that goes into a product and what to do in the case of an emergency so right now let's say something goes wrong in our kitchen our soapery as we call it it's Mm -hmm. detached so it's not in our kitchen that was when we first started in our one bedroom downtown 
Um, that was another nightmare, but we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to have a garage. Um, so if anything were to happen, we have uh, a binder that says everything that needs to be done in case of a fire, because there's volatile essential oils that you know will burst the flame. You need to know what to do with those. If, the, okay. if anything were to happen, we have to have you know both rules and regulations one inside of our dwelling and then one in the actual soapery itself oh fascinating so you know we didn't know that until our mentor was like you need to do this right yesterday yesterday, so, yesterday. Yeah. wow well and um you know i've done my own let's call it research with air quotes because um i came upon a book called no more dirty looks not too long ago well actually it was several years ago when it came out and um it was kind of like an expose for the cosmetics industry. And so it's not it's not just that there are um, maybe questionable regulations for at-home businesses. The large cosmetic companies don't have to answer really to, to no. too much either. It's so it's an interesting um, it's an interesting thing to kind of know that, have that background, that knowledge, but then to watch people do it for themselves and kind of learn as you go along. Um, but still, you guys are super mindful about what you put in your products. Um, right. Where and that's the difference you know, between the, you know, yeah, the big, the large companies. You know, well, maybe and the aren't. bottom line is the proofs and the ingredients. We mm-hmm. were just at the store last night. And we were like, hey, let's just have some fun and read these these body washes. You know, right. let's read the ingredients. And that's not something that people do. People no, don't go do, to the store yeah. and like they don't read the labels on the mm-hmm. soap. Like now they do because everyone's talking about it. Mm-hmm. But five years ago, no one even cared what was in their soap. Now we're all like, sodium lauryl sulfate is so bad. And it's terrible. In its, in its like chemical form, it is so fine that even if you just breathe it in a little bit, you'll asphyxiate. It's yeah. like, okay. bye. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it makes you itchy, too. So. Right. And so like in leading with the larger cosmetics, with uh-huh. you know the smaller cosmetics, it's going to be easier to get an answer about what ingredients I crafted in my soap because it was the two of us actually making it. Right. So we can have a little more um, you know, uh, discussion about you know, the origin of ingredients. I can point at the farmer's market to the three vendors who I literally went and got my supplies, you know, from right. and my, some additives like lavender, honey, honey yeah. goat's milk, and the like. Uh, and, you know, where we get our essential oils. Mm-hmm. We can point in the direction of where our stuff comes from, and it's uh, not going to be as easy to get that kind of information from a larger cosmetics. And on top of it, uh, as much as they are regulated, it, there is a lot of oversight that does seem to be lacking. Yes. And, um, you know, for we are held to the same kind of sets of rules and standards and regulations that larger cosmetic companies are. And in becoming larger, we want to make sure that we have all of our P's and Q's in line. Yeah. And, um, you know, we want to be on point. We want to, we want to make sure that our family and everybody else's family gets the same kind of joy out of what we do and all of the pleasure of knowing how safe it is. Right. Yeah. That's, that's huge. Um, because you know, I, I always now, um, and I'm trying to remember when I read that book, it must've been, three or four years ago at this point. But um, now I do read the ingredient list and I can pronounce all of your ingredients, which is huge. Okay, so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want to know kind of what, if you could offer up any advice to somebody starting a creative venture of any kind, whether it's product-based or, you know, service-based, just any kind of advice to give even though you've only been doing this for a short time, I'm, right. you guys have learned so much. So I'm curious what your thoughts Thank are you. on that. Uh, this is a really good question. And I think um, this is, to get any kind of real viable advice, it would be, one, know your brand. You know, it's much easier to create if you know who you are, what you're making, and who you're making it for. 
And that's what your brand should be. It should be your best friend, and you should be able to represent it as such. The other thing would be know the law. We just discussed every reason why you would need to know the law. You don't want to be caught dumbfounded over something that is really simple but really important to your industry. And that applies, you know, um, to all makers and, you know, food, crafts, and the like. So I would say know your brand, know the law. Um, For me, is really just take your time, start at a pace that you can handle, and then once you get your bearings, go full force. You know, like, don't sit around waiting for someone to tell you that you can do it. You have to be proactive. And that's something that, as a small business owner, I'm still working on. Preston is the most proactive person I know. And so I'm constantly looking at him and being like, oh, wow, he's done like 10 things today. And I'm sitting here like, and I've only done this many things. And it's not always about who's done more things. It's about the work that's getting done at the end of the day. And so for me, being a small business owner, I'm a, I'm a very proactive person. But sometimes, like anything, you just want to sit down and you want to watch your TV. Mm-hmm. So um, I've definitely been taking a step back and really making sure that all of my bases are covered and that my work is done and that we're ready for market and that we're ready to really move forward and just make 130 bars of soap at a time. So, <laughs> a lot of soap. Yeah, that's what yeah. we're gearing up for. Yeah. It'll be, uh, it, it's, it's a really interesting time and it's really fun to, to do this. I've, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur and I didn't really know it until about two years ago. Fascinating. Um, yeah. I like, well, we've both had day jobs before and I've never, I've never had a day job where I, I feel like I should be there. It's not that I'm not good at working for other people. I just have a lot of ideas. And so people don't know what to do with ideas a lot of the time, especially in the regular workforce. They look at you and they get insecure about it. And with Preston, we have different things we're working on. So when we spout ideas at each other, it's from an outside perspective most of the time. So if he asks me my opinion on something that he's written, you know, he'll take my opinion with a grain of salt and then he'll move on and be like, this sounds good this way, but thanks for your input because it, it took him in a different direction. And same thing with me when I'm in the soap kitchen and... I'm doing a technique, and he's like, well, try it this way. I'll be like, uh-huh, and then I'll try it, and then it doesn't work that well, so I go back to what I was doing. And it's not hey. always, hey, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> my soap came out pretty with my recent suggestion. <laughs> Caveat. I mean, I never said you were bad at it. So I think what, you know, the overarching term that we're, we're the theme we're palpating here is that um, you don't need somebody else to give you the initiative. That is something that you harbor internally, and it's a fire inside of you. And you can use that, um, you know, whether you're a hobbyist or you want to be an entrepreneur, because there's a difference between having a craft and having an entrepreneurial spirit. You really have to be dedicated. There's a lot of uh, virtues that have to be in place to be an entrepreneur. To be a crafter, there's just a lot of prerequisite skill sets. And so you've really got to merge the two of them. And you have to be really honest about your capabilities. As Tyler was saying, you have to admit your weaknesses. If you can't work with your weaknesses you're doomed to fail. I think that's the biggest... People don't want to see, oh, well, I, I can't do this, so I you know I shouldn't. Well, it's like, no, you just have a weakness here, and if you can develop some, some way to support that, and then you can move forward. If not, then you have to find somebody who can. And that's the other beauty of what having a partnership, 
has done for us is it gives us an ability to lean on a skill set that we might not have had. I was going to say, it sounds like you guys have have sort of split up the duties a little bit. Yeah. It's just super smart. And that's something that we've been working on since day one. Ever since we started the business, everyone's like, so how are you going to divide this labor? How are you going to make sure that you guys aren't stepping on each other's toes? And within the past few months, we've really delineated what works for me and what works for him. And, I mean, we're only going to get better with time. We have an intern now, and she is amazing. That's she exciting. has a chemistry background. So, like, it's really nice to have her in the soap kitchen, because Preston has a chemistry background. And I do, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't. I never took chemistry in high school, either. I decided to do environmental science instead. And so it was like I was able to get through high school with it. Now, it's not like... I have a commonsensical knowledge of chemistry. I understand the Street way... Street chemist. Street chemist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that sounds really bad. Well, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I stay well with it. Okay, so street can chemist. you guys, <laughs> besides being a street chemist, I'm curious, um, kind of, you know, we're kind of wrapping things up, but what's, what's next for you guys? I mean, again, we've already kind of gone down the road of what gratitude soapery is going to look like and stuff like that, but... Do you guys have any like big projects that are coming up so, next? So, um, with Suds by Suds, like he was saying, we've ramped up for the holiday season. Okay. With January coming, it's going to be editing time for Suds by Suds. Because okay. what I don't want to do is I don't want to inundate our website with a bunch of stuff that people are just going to look at and be like, oh, that's pretty. I want them to look at something and be like, that's beautiful and I want it. So, I just want to get down to a really solid line of products for Suds by Suds that we can maintain. And then, like I was saying, we can be super creative and throw in these fun products every once in a while. Okay. With gratitude, since the soap line is already set up beautifully, we're just going to keep that the way it is, and then we're going to build new product lines on top of that. Next year, the plan is to um, like develop our products, get all the research and development done, and then every quarter, we're hoping to be releasing a new product line to gratitude. And what those are going to look like are going to be vegan lip balms, Oh, and just so you all know, leave some surprises um, though too. Gratitude is a completely palm-free and vegan oh, line, wow. and that was part of her uh, Kenna's original plan. Is palm oil is something that is not so sustainable in the world. It's used by many different people. Coffee Mate uses palm oil, so that's a huge supplier who buys a ton of palm oil. And the bad thing about palm oil is that it does get marauded from villages, and people don't always get paid for the palm oil that's taken. Deforestation. Deforestation. Habitats so, for orangutans and yeah. tigers and other creatures. Lots of problems are added into it. So one of the things from Gratitude is it's palm-free and vegan. That way, no one's going to be upset by it um, in it general sense. to ethically yeah. be disturbed by anything that's going on over at Gratitude. And studs by studs, we do use all fair trade with respect to anything that carries an environmental concern. Um, and just as general practice, we don't use things called phthalates, which are found in, as stabilizers and fragrances. That's right. the thing that gives you a headache when you walk by a really strong fragrance. You're like, whoa, what was yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, and moving forward, the one thing that we want to do is make sure that we're reinforcing our personal philosophies and our ethics about you know, the way we approach skincare, uh, but also expanding in such a way that we meet the consumer where they want to be met. Um, one of the biggest compliments we get, and I say this half jocularly, is that people are like, this is too pretty to use. And I say, well, you, you could buy one now and then put the other one somewhere where people can see. <laughs> so get two of them. If you, yeah, can't, sure. if you can't use one, you can use one and then have an extra. Absolutely. And so um, that's a high form of flattery. So like Tyler said, we want to make it more approachable and somebody be like, okay, as artistic as that is, I will buy and use that. It's gotcha. kind of been the, the hurdle with suds. With gratitude, it's 
like you said, so gorgeous, so succinct, ready to purchase, high quality, uh, little to no impact on the environment with respect to uh, ethical concerns and sourcing of ingredients. Um, so just to give you kind of like a quick look into what's going on with the companies in the next year, he said that we're going to be releasing something every quarter for gratitude. Lip balms will be the secret one we give. We're also going to be doing a campaign called Lather Happy, which is the Ooh. tagline for the company, and more to come on that next year. Okay. Really, and it's going to be both local and global with respect to how we're going to be campaigning. So okay. keep an eye out for Lather Happy. But with Suds by Studs, in the next few weeks, we're going to be releasing uh, powdered face masks that can oh. be customized by you in your home with whatever you want to mix it with so you know if you want to be cleopatra you can use honey if you want to be you know nice and creamy you can use some local goat's milk from the co-op um and we're going to be writing little ingredients list that goes with the little canister and we're uh we've got three out of the four made we've got one left to do and then packaging and that'll be out very soon wow that's exciting yeah so we're um, constantly trying to develop new product lines so that we can have a full lineup of skincare and not just well, we have a couple of pieces for the body, but not the entire body. So we want head to toe, studs by studs, in the shower. Gotcha. And one of the great things that, one of the reasons that we decided to do uh, powder face masks mm-hmm. is it gives us the opportunity not only for the customer to customize it, but we don't have to preserve that. Right. That's one of my that's one of my major issues, and is I don't like using preservatives. So I try and leave water out of as many products as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, Water has a has the ability to harbor bacteria, blah blah blah, and so these face masks really are a great opportunity for that. They're really fun. Um, not only can you use like honey, you can use fruit juices, you can use whole fruits, you can use like avocado, and you can mix it all together. So like the opportunities are endless, and there's going to be something that's going to be good for one person and not good for another, and that's the great thing about customizing it with the base, right? That's so, so. that. I would think that would be kind of freeing for you guys. You get yeah. to kind of say, okay, here's this, and here's what we would do, but exactly go to but town. The the world is your oyster, right? I well, love because that. like uh, with the three that we've already made, there's one that I suggest using with honey, and then there's one that I suggest using with honey and lemon juice. Oh, okay. And then there's one that I suggested using like almond milk or goat's milk, depending on goat's milk. Your, yeah. your stance on that. So. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's where we're going and moving forward is just new product lines, new campaigns to infuse our love for soap making and charity in our community, both locally and globally. And, um, you know, letting Suds by Studs develop into its most creative entity over the next year while gratitude becomes kind of the bread and butter. And by bread and butter, I mean our ability to really infuse our love and compassion uh, with people who really need goods today, not yeah. yesterday, not tomorrow, right now. Yeah. So it's a it's a call to action. It's a way for you to say, you know what, I'm lathering happy, and I'm I'm rinsing, repeating, and I'm doing good every time. So we want to make sure that we're sustaining that charitable backbone, uh, and we're actually trying to take it to the next level. So I would really recommend looking for studs for creative artisan. Uh, locally infused artistic beauties and then for gratitude for knowing that you did good with every rinse okay I love that we'll just end on that that was perfect Um, (laughs) and we'll definitely keep an eye out for all of that goodness and I'm again for anyone listening um, I will definitely link up to everything we mentioned today in the show notes uh, which you can find at creatingyourownpath.com and in the meantime be sure to check out Preston and Tyler's work at Suds by Studs and then um, is there a URL for the Gratitude Soapery right now? Yes it is gratitudesoapery.com we are planning our release this week Okay, Um, but we do have an Instagram and Facebook all at Gratitude Soapery Okay then I will definitely link up to those as well Um, so thank you guys for being on the show Thank you for having us. Yeah I really appreciate your time and as always I'd like to say thank you to Think House 
House for lending us their recording space. If you enjoy these episodes, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.